Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. It's huge. The strides will keep going. It'll keep developing as well. Um, and I think we're we're really proud from England of the amount of, of very, very good players we've uh, produced. And we've probably got one of the best golf pathways uh, in Europe in terms of the number of players that come through and then go on to win major tournaments um, is, is outstanding. So on today's episode is Gemma Hunter, who is currently Head of Handicapping and Course Rating at England Golf. Um, So I've really enjoyed talking to Gemma recently. Uh, For someone who hasn't really been into golf before, um, it was really good to see how a very fast-paced growing sport um, has got opportunities across the board, essentially. Um, So Gemma will give a really good insight into how anybody at any level, at any age, can get into golf and then that pathway across elite standards. And I think it's important to emphasise that across the sporting industry, there isn't just scope for playing, but more scope, again, for different roles within the the elite pathway. So, yeah, hope you enjoy it. Hope you get a lot from it um, and enjoy the listening. Very good. So, great to have you on. Um, Something um, I think that... I'll learn a lot from during our chat as well. Um, obviously, you've got a massive role within golf, a sport that I'm not the most familiar with. So really excited to get on and learn and see what opportunities are out there as well. So um, let's kick off. So first off, um, how did you first kind of get into golf? So it's, it's weird. I've, I've played golf since like a very early age. I've played golf since I was about seven years old. Um, my brother plays, my mum and dad played. Um, and I think it was the, it was born out of the fact that mum and dad were working during the school holidays. My brother's seven years older than me. So uh, he got the job of having to look after me school holidays. Uh, and the only place he wanted to go was the golf course. So I had to go with him. And then it was like, well, if you can do it, I can do it. 
and actually figured out I was half decent. Um, so just played golf because it's what I did. Um, and and it's, it was something that I enjoyed doing with my family. And um, But I was always the only girl. Um, I was the only girl a member of my golf club until I was about 16. And then a girl joined for a year and then left. Um, so it, I've always it's always been one of those where there's never been a lot of girls playing golf, but it's something I love doing. Um, played a bit of football, uh, and then just decided that actually golf was was more my sport. To be fair, brilliant, brilliant. So have you always worked within the golf industry, or have you done odd jobs here and there? Yeah, so I, I I really wanted to uh, be a professional. I wanted to turn pro. That was my ultimate aim from being sort of like 14, 15. If anybody said to me, what do you want to do? It's like, I want to be a professional golfer. Uh, there's no if or buts about it. That's what I want to do. And I probably got to about 17, 18 um, and probably realised at that point that I wasn't good enough um, and that, I was in the England sort of like setup. I was on the performance program. Um, I was playing in national and international events, but I wasn't quite as good as some of the other girls that I was playing with. Um, and they were just always that little bit better. And with golf, it's almost like you've got to be the top 1% of the top 1%. And if you're you're not that good, you ain't going to make any money at it. It's a little bit like other sports where there's not that much money in the female game. So you're not going to make a living. Um, so I sort of like at 19, 20 decided that, look, I'm, I'm just going to get a job. Um, so I went and worked in JJB Sports uh, and I just went and worked. They had a golf department. It's something that I understood and knew. So I did that for a few years worked a lot in, in retail, sports retail mainly, um, made a decision when I was 27 to go back to university. Uh, I got made redundant, what do you do? Um, went back to uni, got a business management and marketing degree, opportunity uh, to go and work for England Golf, so the, the governing body of, of the game of golf. So for me, it was sort of like a, a bit of a dream come true of actually not being able to be a professional and perform at that elite level but actually now to be able to be involved in the development of the game that that I've loved since being a kid. No that's brilliant Gem and when taking it back to when you said you weren't good enough to to progress and be professional did you feel that within yourself or did you have people feeding into you to say you know what, I don't think you're going to make it let's go down this avenue? No, there was literally, we didn't get any sort of like mentoring or support at that time. It was literally like you you got picked for a team and your your role was to, to play and you dealt with your own practice, you dealt with your own coaching. It was all about you developing, uh, you sorting out your own cut. And it, it, this is way before strength and conditioning and, and going to the gym and being an athlete was was never even thought of as golf. Um so it, it wasn't so much that. I think for me, it was probably a little bit of me going, I'm not into this. I'm not dedicated enough. I don't want to get up at six o'clock in the morning and hit 400 balls a day and play 36 holes. I actually want to go out with my mates and I want to enjoy myself. And uh, obviously 19, 20 year old, I want to go and have a beer on a weekend and I want to enjoy myself and 
I just I think it was me in my in myself I just knew that I wasn't I wasn't good enough and it didn't matter how much I worked I probably wasn't going to because my heart wasn't in it um and then on the top of that I knew how much money my parents had, had put into me playing as a as an elite amateur for two years and to, to ask them to then carry on doing that when when you know you're actually just playing at it you're not actually going to be able to take it on and pay them back eventually that you've got to just make that decision to, to step away and for me I think it was the right thing to do. I think that shows quite a, a degree of maturity as well Um we often see it a lot across all sports that you go and you've got that willing and it's the case of believe in yourself and you can but sometimes that opportunity is not there and it's about being realistic and as you say there's not that big of opportunity within women's sport firstly and within golf as you say you've got to be at that top one percent to make it whereas something like football or hockey you've got loads of teams the game's growing and there's loads of opportunities to to get to that elite stage whereas golf seems like you're in it for yourself there's very few a professional level there's, there's one and and the aim of every female i think professional is to play in the solheim cup um i think from from a, a, a european or american perspective it's certainly playing the solheim um for an amateur it's like you want to play curtis cup golf which is like the amateur version of the solheim cup and you want to represent greater britain and ireland in that and to try and do everything that you can um but you look at examples of like there's been a lot of girls who are, who have literally just stuck at it and, and managed to sort of grind out a career. Um, but I think the best example is, is Ian Poulter from the men's game. Like the guy there who was a very, very average golfer at 19, 20, he worked in a pro shop selling Mars bars, but he had the determination and the drive to, to become a professional golfer. And now I, I dread to think how many Ferraris and, and stuff he actually owns. Um, so it shows that if you do have, even if you've not got all the skill and all the ability, you can teach yourself and you can develop it. But I think ultimately, if your heart's not in it, you might as well just step away because no matter how much you practice or how much you, you train yourself, if your heart's not there, I think you, you, you're fighting a losing battle. And would you say you've got any regrets about your decision to step away from it? No, not at all, not at all. Like I, I speak to some of the girls now that we're in that sort of like edging towards turning professional and out of the squad of sort of like 11 or 12 that were in there, I think six of them turned pro. Uh, and of those six now, um, none of them are playing on tour. Um, none of them actually went on to be in on the on the ladies European tour or on the, the LET. I think two of them played on the ladies European tour for short stints. Um, and you look at what they're doing now, some of them are teaching professionals and they're teaching at golf clubs around the country. Um, one of them's a really successful golf club owner, owns a, a really nice little golf club and, and is doing really well. So everybody's gone down a little different route. Um, but luckily everybody stayed within the game. So that's that's always a, a real positive, but no, no regrets at all. No, that's fair enough. And I think it's important to highlight that within golf, you don't have to just play. 
there's loads of other opportunities of you say that you can go down uh, whether it's coaching now the big drive on snc uh sports psychology yeah. and then obviously the role that you're doing so talk to us a little bit about about your current role yeah, so I'm the head of handicapping and course rating for England Golf, which everybody sort of like goes, what on earth is that? <laughs> um, so basically, within golf, golf's one of those sports that it's probably unique in the respect that it doesn't matter what your ability is, whether you're an elite player or whether you're a, a total beginner, um, you can all play together because we give you, you get a handicap, so we get a measure of your ability. And it's basically my role uh, within England to manage that handicapping system to make sure that new golfers can get a handicap and that we, we give them the correct uh, allocation when they start. And then we develop and maintain the system that then allows that player to see improvement and be a measure of their improvement, but also from the other side of the game as well. So allows us to build and develop a performance pathway for those players that are getting better um, because we have got some fantastic golfers and, and we can literally see somebody start their journey as a golfer, as a, as a young kid. And then with just looking at their handicap record and all the scores they've played, we can see their, their improvement and their development. Um, so they actually maybe come out as a professional at the end of the day. But yeah, you can, for me, it's, it's more about the administration of the game and how we obviously, how we can give everybody the ability to play together. Um, and for me, that's what handicapping is all about. It's that ability for you, Ash, as a total novice to be able to go out, get a measure of your ability. And then for me and you to be able to go out and play against each other and have an enjoyable game and you not think, well, there's no point here because I'm just going to get, I'm just going to get hammered. Um, so I always take it as like, it's try and imagine sort of, um, Wigan St. Pat's football team down the road uh, playing against Man City. Like if you put them two, two teams on a pitch on a Saturday afternoon, the, the, the Wigan St. Pat's team or whoever it is, is, is just going get, to get smashed because there's no way they're going to be able to, to keep hold of De Bruyne and, and make sure everything's all right. He doesn't get past them. To be fair, City would probably need about three players um, to be able to compete. So it's like doing that, but with, with golf. And you can do it easier with golf when you've got one-on-one. -on -one. So that's basically what I do. Um, but obviously, I have to manage not just a small group of players. I'm managing about the, I'm managing the handicap, handicap index of around 650,000 golfers in England alone. So it's a pretty big task. Uh, and and something I actually quite enjoy. It's a bit geeky, but I, I quite enjoy it. No, that's great, Gem. So yeah, just just a few, uh, just a few golfers then. <laughs> yeah, just a few people that we've got to deal with. But I think like I said it's just it's just one of those things. It's it, like you said before. It's about saying that actually you don't have to be a performance athlete. You can. There's so many different roles within sport, whether it be like S and C and administration and I see my role as sort of like an administrative role and, and, and that's where we are but the development of the game and um, physios you name it you can still be involved in the sport that you love without actually having to be that performance athlete because we're not all that good <laughs> <laughs> 
so um, in terms of like the development of the game, have you noticed a big change since you was playing to now? I know you mentioned a lot about your involvement with the performance pathway and that integration. Uh, what are the key things that you found have developed or sped up the growth of the game? I think if you look at golf's golf's pathways, we are we are really really good at developing players at a local level. Uh, so within within the structure of England golf, we've got thirty five counties, um, which are more or less your geographical counties: Lancashire, Yorkshire, Cumbria, um, and each one of those counties will have their own performance pathway. Uh, and they'll take players from under 14s all the way through. And these players aren't being taken away from club golf. They're still part of that. Um, but it just allows us to really identify talent in a local area. Uh, so we can identify talent locally. We can then help them to develop their game. Uh, then we can do it at a slightly like larger level, so northwest, uh, northeast, until you eventually sort of like narrow down your pool of players to the top sort of like 15 or or 20 players that might be included in a national program so you can really sort of like take those players but at the same time if somebody's not quite ready for the next level they don't have to drop back they just stay where they are and they can continue to compete at, at a local level and and that's fine there's no pressure on them to move up and um, so we're really good at, at that what we tend to do is when we get to uh, our regional levels, they all become part of the England Golf Performance Programme. Um, and at that point, they get S&C support. They get um, like mental, uh, mental well-being and, and coaching. Um, we have specific like dietary. We have, um, we've got obviously golf coaches that do specifics, but we'll have a short game coach. So we might have somebody who just coaches players on how to put just as simple that one element of the game uh, and then we'll have sort of like long game coaches so you get very specific types of types of coaching and, and through the pathway these players get access to that um, and then the real elite so the sort of like the, the the girls squad the women's squad men's and boys squads they get time with our dedicated performance team uh, down at the national golf center at woodall spa uh, and then they also get enhanced playing opportunities to go and play in uh, Europe on, in a normal year, obviously go and play in Europe and beyond. Um, so that 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 actual pathway has been pretty consistent for a number of years. But I think in the last sort of like four or five years, um, we've seen some real developments in the fact that we do have now regional performance coaches. We've got uh, more and more S&C uh, involved. And I think, like you said, it's about golf becoming golfers becoming athletes. Um, and obviously, Tiger Woods was the start of that. Tiger Woods was the instigator into making golfers suddenly realise that they need to be fit and strong and can't drink a bottle of Merlot and smoke a cigar. So it, it, it was it, it was that that was the catalyst. But it's it's huge. The strides will keep going. It'll keep developing as well. Um, and I think we're we're really proud from England of the amount of of very very good players we've uh, produced and we've probably got one of the best golf pathways uh, in Europe in terms of the number of players that come through and then go on to win major tournaments um, is, is outstanding. It sounds amazing like when you say in the development of the, the dietary, the SNC, the mental well-being, 
that's your one percent, isn't it, at, at the top of the game that that win or lose you a championship. And I suppose that's why you're saying that the UK was so good at it. We're so good at it because we invest into into those players. Would you say there's still yeah. a long way to go in terms of the women's pathway compared to the men's pathway? Or are they pretty similar at the moment? We we structure our pathways exactly the same. Um, so they get the same coaching and same playing opportunities um, all the way through the, the sort of like the programme. Um, our performance lead is very determined that, that everybody gets the same the same access to coaches. Um, and, and it's certainly developed, certainly, like I said, over the last probably four or five years that we have got a really consistent pro- programme. And you see that, like I said, we've probably got more female major winners, have we? Probably nearly, we've probably got more title wins, shall we say, from the girls in the programme, even more recently than we have from the, from the men. Um, so obviously the biggest example is Georgia Hall. Um, eight years, nine years ago, she won the English under 16 girls stroke play competition. What, four years, three years ago, won the Women's British Open. So it, it, it's a very short turnaround and, and to have like a major winner win a major on home soil was was unbelievable and it's something that I think every sport wants. They want to win, we want to win, England want to win the Euros on home soil just as like you would love to win another World Cup on home soil but I think to actually win a major in golf on, on home turf is what you always want to do. So the, the pathway is pretty much the same. Uh, the players get the same access um, and we have similar similar levels of success. Um, so yeah, it's I think we're we're pretty we're pretty we're almost there. I think in terms of the way that we are as a governing body, I think the way that the game's got to go is totally different. Um, and and that's totally different. It's a, it's a different ball game altogether. No, that's it's it's really refreshing to hear actually, isn't it? Because you look at the governing bodies of say rugby and football and. I know that has accelerated an awful lot the couple in the couple of years, but there's still that massive gap between men's and women's facilities, sponsorship, um, ability, all those types of things. But the fact that the pathway is mirrored for men and women in golf is massive. And I don't think it's by coincidence that's why you've got a lot of success. No, I, I think you're right. I think... The, the big one for us and what probably helps golf massively is that we our players can't earn money from, from playing at this level. So as an amateur, they're, they're not allowed to earn money. Um, they're not allowed to have a sponsor. They're not allowed to do any sort of like public sort of thanking people for X, Y and Z. Or they, they're not allowed to. It's within the amateur status code that you just can't. Um, it's a little bit like being part of the NCAA in the US where you're not allowed to make money from sort of like your team. Um, so you can't be seen to be making money. Uh, and, and golf's exactly the same. Golf is that. So our players are sort of like, they're building up their golfing CV for when they turn pro. So that it's at that point that actually then brands and people can come on board and go, actually, you've got a really good CV here. You've done a lot already now will back you because you've proved yourself uh you've not just got loads of people trying to fight for 500 pound sponsorship or a thousand pound sponsorship here and there they're actually waiting until they get almost to the point of 
of we've made it before they even get that reward. So I think that drives quite a lot of players as well. No, that's brilliant. And then that transition between amateur and pro, is it, as you say, is that more so driven from a financial status that it's based on that's when you start getting your sponsorships and people backing you? Or how do you make that transition from amateur to pro? I think a lot of it, people do it, It's they've, they've built themselves up to the right time and they feel it's the right time for them to transition. Um, we we try and guide players through sort of like key, key moments. So we know that for, uh, for the men's pathway, uh, if, you, if you're looking like you're going to get picked for the Walker Cup, which is you representing Great Britain and Ireland again in a match against America, it's probably one of the most prestigious things that you can do as an amateur male golfer. So that's almost a trigger. You tend to find that after the Walker Cup, you'll get a batch of players that will suddenly turn pro. Uh, and they'll all suddenly become professional golfers because they've now started to get things lined up. They've lined up a sponsorship deal. They've lined up entry to three or four events for the rest of the year. Um, and the same with the girls after the Curtis Cup, they tend to do the same thing. Um, but you'll also tend to find players that have been out to the US that have got a, a US collegiate career behind them that have, have achieved quite a lot out there will then feel that that is the right time to transition. Uh, into being a professional and to be fair all they have to do is sign a piece of paper that says if I win any money this week I'm taking the prize so as an amateur you basically say I'll play but I won't take the prize because I'm an amateur and, and I can't take the money but as soon as you accept that first check whether that first check's for 250 pound or two and a half grand or 25 grand you're a pro that's it You've earned money from the game. That's that's you done. You, you're not an amateur anymore. Um, but that's just as a playing professional. We've got professionals who coach and things like that as well. So there's a different route to be a professional, but playing pros, that's basically what we do. No, it's brilliant. It's really insightful, isn't it? Because you hear a bit about, um, like, because obviously my knowledge is more so in football, that you go through an RTC system and a youth system and then you sign your first professional contract at 16 and then you, you're in that pathway then. But like you said, that there's that whole amateur setup and then that whole professional setup. So it's it's really insightful to know the pathway. And as you said, like, I suppose with golf, you don't have to be a certain age to get stuck into it. Um, you don't have to start from when you're six it's really inclusive. So what what's like schemes and initiatives are out there at the moment for people who, who are wanting to get into the game? So we, we do sort of like from the women's side of the game, it's probably our biggest biggest growth area. It's where we wanna we wanna really develop the game. Uh, and it's something that our our women and girls manager um would would be very grateful that I'm saying that, that that's her focus is to to get more women and girls into the game of golf because we, we get quite a few at a young young age because mum and dad take take uh, little Ashley to go and play golf and they get them involved and then get to sort of 12, 13, 14, other interests, things come along, probably then drifting out of the game until they go to university. And then sort of like after 19, 20, there's, we just have like this massive drop-off and it's like the female populations just disappeared out of golf clubs in, in that sort of like probably 21 to 35 age bracket. And we all know why we've, we've all got careers 
you go away and have families, you've not got time for golf. And then we start to see it slowly creep back. Um, so we've, we've got two programmes that are really focused at the moment to try to really develop the, the girls' programme. So we've got something called Girls Golf Rocks, which is about trying to make golf inclusive for girls that maybe have not never had any interest in golf before. Uh, and it's about saying, look, forget the dress code. We're not worrying about what you wear. We're not worrying about what experience you've got. We want you to use your phone. We want you to tweet about it and, and stick it on TikTok and social, any other social media. And we want you to say how much fun you're having and we want you to enjoy yourself. So it's primarily based on uh, a six-week sort of like teaching program and, and learning and then going out and enjoying it and playing. And it's about bringing your friends. So if one person's interested, it's about can you get two or three more friends to come along with you as well? Um, so we're trying to do that to the girls to increase that girls' pool of players because while we're really successful, we're really successful with a very, very small pool. So imagine increasing that pool size, how much more successful you can potentially be. So that's, that's the main aim of that. And then we have another sort of program called women on par um which is trying to get um women back into the game that might have drifted away from the sport so they might have actually gone to have a family and 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 for maybe focused on the career in in the late 20s and and now starting to think actually i've got a bit more free time and it's about playing nine holes going out playing nine holes of golf you don't have to be a member again really relaxed with with friends coming in having a cake, having a glass of Prosecco, all the stuff that people like and, and just trying to make it a bit more social and not worrying about the competitive side because competition comes with uh, with you. You're either a competitor or you're not. But with golf, you can compete against other people or you can just compete against yourself. So that's the really good thing about it. Um, so, yeah, there are two main sort of programmes that we're trying to develop um, and they've got better and better, but... 2020 was a bit of a washout with obviously everything that was going on. So we've done a real big push for this year um, to really try and drive some numbers. No, it's brilliant. I think the thing that strikes me after speaking to you, Gem, is the inclusiveness and the, the schemes that you've got. And I think it's really smart and savvy some of the projects that that you're involved with to, to increase that pool and ultimately create a, a bigger kind of performance base at the top as you say you create a bigger pool at the bottom that's going to create a bigger pool at the top so I think it's it's credit to to you and the guys at England Golf for for the work that you push in so for anyone who's wanting to go into golf either as a player as a coach as a from an administrative role what advice would you give uh, there's the sort of like two routes if you're if you 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 want to be a professional and you you believe that you're good enough then then give it everything that you've got put your heart and soul in it and work hard uh, and like you mentioned before about the one percent uh nigel who's our performance director he says that the first thing he ever says to all our players is it's it's getting the one percent if you can get one percent better at putting and he said all those little ones make make a big number if you can pull it all together um, and it's like his little mantra. Um, so really work hard if that's what you want to do. Um, go out and play, but ultimately enjoy it. Uh, one of the things that I'll always say is that the friends I made at, at 11, 12, 13 are my friends now at, at nearly 40. 
Uh, I'll still speak to the girls. We're all in different parts of our lives, but we'll all still have that connection. So even if it doesn't turn out that you make it as a professional or it doesn't quite work out in the way that you plan, you've got friends for life. And that's a really good thing about golf. Um, but for, from, a, from a player's point of view, get a good coach and, and, and speak to other people at your golf club. Find your local professional. Find a coach that you like. It doesn't necessarily have to be your club pro. Uh, there's, there's loads out there just go and find somebody first of all that gets you and gets the way that you play golf and then and then work with them um get fit I think we, we're seeing more and more now like you've got to be physically fit and the girls that are coming through that are fit they're the ones that are successful and the same with with the lads uh it, it makes a massive difference um and then get make sure you get up and pick up with your county programs and and try and get involved in that sort of stuff and work your way through, and um, and just just keep plugging away at it. Don't ever shy away from opportunities when they're given. Uh, and from a an administrative point of view, um, I look on it as as like I said I love the game, um, but we always have opportunities, uh, and they might not always be a paid job. It might be a volunteer role. It might be helping at a tournament it might be helping with a junior golf session that there's loads of different volunteer opportunities so if it's something that you're interested in get involved if it's the officiating of the game do your rules exam really try and absorb yourself in it and just put yourself out there that's what I did when I was at uni I volunteered to work for England golf at two tournaments and I worked for them and then when I come to actually apply for a job you almost go straight to the top of the pile because you've shown willing in the past. So don't ever be afraid to put yourself out there. And the biggest thing I would say to anybody being involved in golf is be yourself. Don't try and be somebody that you're not because first of all, you'll get found out. And secondly, people respect you more for being who you are. So whether you have one mentality in the way that you work and practice, that's fine. Stick to it. But be yourself about it and be honest with people when you when you when you're going down those routes. No, that's brilliant, Gem. I think that's really good advice uh, for golf specifically and for other sports is not to lose sight of your values, your principles when you go in uh, for different jobs. Uh, volunteering as well. We know in professional sport that that's massive. If you show interest, you're showing willing. You that's going to aid your potential to go onto a course or to go into a certain job I know when I was at uni at Birmingham they ran a uh, sports and business uh, course specifically for golf which is amazing like something so specific within that industry at degree level it's amazing it's a great opportunity for people who love the sport to get into it and to pursue a career in it and like just chatting to you today as I said there's so many though yeah yeah some I never realized how much they were um to be honest is that yeah, something so we... many different jobs um not really I think there's always been like if you think about golf as a general you've got every golf club needs some sort of manager they need to manage the golf facility so you've got golf club managers everybody needs a greenkeeper everybody needs people that can cut grass and, and look after a golf course so you've got greenkeeping jobs you've got the professionals and the coaches there's there's a massive workforce there and then you've got like tournament organizers and referees and we've got course raters and handicap advisors and you look at the number of people involved in golf 
we've got 1900 golf courses so we've probably got 1900 golf club managers we've got and then there's the at least three that three times that in terms of green keepers and stuff so it's a massive work pool and if you can get involved in it whether it be like I said through a, a degree program or just showing an interest and uh, then then the the opportunities are, are just endless no, that's great, Jen. That's great. And for someone from myself whose only experience of golf is probably crazy golf, hitting some balls at a driving range or pub golf, let's be honest, um, <laughs> it's, been, it's been really good to uh, get a better understanding of the pathway and what opportunities are out there for anyone, any age, any ability. And as I say, I've really enjoyed chatting. So thank you very, very much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure. No problem. Thanks for having me. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.